The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 11th chapter. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us and do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me, the door has already been locked and my children are in, with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Gospel of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, our strength and our redeemer, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you. Amen. Thank you. So a couple weeks I stood up here before you and talked about how the biblical passage for that week was really, really difficult, and I wasn't so sure that the powers that be around here should let the intern preach on it. Well, here I am again. Um, and you know, you might be thinking to yourself, intern Marietta, this isn't a difficult passage. Jesus gives some lovely words about the Lord's Prayer. We all know that, right? And then he says, ask and seek and find and knock and open. That's, that's pretty straightforward, right? But, but I gotta say, there's a couple verses in here that tripped me up, and maybe they tripped you up too. So if you'd um, grab your bulletins if you want, if you'd like to on page seven where the gospel is, I'm gonna read you this parable that Jesus tells to his disciples. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me, the door has already been locked and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So here we have a story about a guest who arrives late at night, a host, who's 
kind of short, shorthanded at the moment, and a neighbor. And um, this is one of those situations where Jesus uses um, two things about Middle Eastern culture that are very important. And you've heard Pastor Bill say this before. Hospitality is like the most important thing, right? If a guest comes to your house in the Middle East, they pull out the stops. They bring out everything to make you very comfortable. So that's one important contextual piece of this um, reading. And the other thing is the bread. Bread in the Middle East is not just something to eat. It's kind of like a utensil. You use it to pick up your food. You use it to wipe your bowl clean. It's kind of like a spoon and a fork, or as I like to say, a first century spork. If you've been to KFC, you've had a spork, you've used a spork. So here we have these two important things. And so Jesus begins to tell this story about how this late night guest shows up and the host is caught without the sporks, right? And so he runs next door to his neighbor, he bangs on the door and he yells out, friend, friend, neighbor, please lend me some bread. I need some bread to take care of my guest. And this is the point at which Jesus goes, now get this disciples, you're not gonna believe what this neighbor says. This neighbor says, I can't be bothered. I'm already in bed, my kids are in bed, the door is locked, I'm not gonna help you. And at this point, the disciples are like, no way, Jesus. Nobody would ever, ever do that. And Jesus says, well, maybe the host has to be persistent. And persistent in this text is not translated in a great way. We have to be honest. Sometimes translators make mistakes. The better word here for the Greek translation is shameless, shameless this this host has to act shamelessly or even better in unembarrassed boldness this host is not going to give up in unembarrassed boldness until the neighbor answers the door and brings some bread and so jesus says if this host acts in unembarrassed boldness and this neighbor responds with the first century sporks how much more well, God, who loves you, who created you, who died and rose for you, how much more will God respond to your needs? Did I get that right? Nice, good, all right, okay. But he was doing this, so I was thinking, all right, good, I'm on a roll, all right. So let's jump down just to verse 11. It says, Jesus says, is there anyone among you who if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So this is also where Jesus is using kind of hyperbole, right? Like, like, just as a neighbor in the Middle East would never, never be not generous to a friend and a guest, God will not not be generous to you. And it says, in fact, the Father in heaven will give the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to those who ask. To those who ask. Hmm, let's think about that a minute. 
You might be thinking then, how do we ask? How do we pray effectively? And it's lovely, the, G- the answer that Jesus gives here in Luke. First, Jesus instructs his disciples and all of us to name this relationship. So we address this communication to our father, our parent, the same name that Jesus uses, Abba. And we name God as holy. In a sense, we ask God to live into this holiness by answering the following petitions, to bring God's kingdom to us, that there be daily bread for all, that forgiveness is practiced, and that God delivers the faithful from a time of trial. In prayer, we ask God to live into the relationship with us as a loving parent. So we're given a roadmap in this prayer or a template of how to pray. And I wanna add something that Martin Luther said about prayer um, that I think is so apt in our busy, busy world today. He said, I have so much to do today that I think I'll spend the first three hours in prayer. I have so much to do. I think, I think what he's saying is, I think I'm so important and I have so much to do, I'd better sit down and center myself in what's really important. But then I think this inevitable question comes about prayer, and I heard this over and over and over again this week as we talked about this scripture. Why don't my prayers get answered the way that I think God should answer them? So often we ask and we don't receive. We have searched and we have not found. In spite of our prayers, we have lost loved ones to cancer and senseless accidents, to mental illness and violence. We have not gotten the job that we so desperately needed or the grade or that relationship that we sought. In spite of our prayers, in spite of the prayers of all people around the world every day, There is hunger and violence and war. If God is like a loving parent who desires to give us what is good and life-giving, why does it seem that so many of our prayers go unanswered? I guess I wish I could give you a simple answer, but there isn't one. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah. So here are some of the things I heard this week when I talked about this. Does God answer our prayers with no sometimes? Maybe. Is God's answer blocked somehow by other powers, by sin in the world, by our own brokenness? Does God see a bigger picture, a reality that we can't see, that we can't imagine? And do we just have to trust that it's going to be okay? Again, I'm not going to pretend there's a definitive answer here. There just isn't. I can tell you this, though, and I'm sure many of you can attest to this. There is power in prayer. There is hope. There is connection. Time and again, people told me that while their prayers might not have been answered with what they had in mind, that prayer brought peace and calm and a sense of belonging This last week, my mother-in-law sat at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, 
waiting as, uh, for my sister-in-law, who was undergoing a very delicate surgery to remove a tumor from her face. And through those long nine hours of surgery, she walked and prayed and cried to God. And while the outcome of the surgery was not what she, or not what any of us wanted, well, not what any of us had asked for, My mother-in-law said that what got her through nine hours of waiting was that connection, that there was hope in that time that she spent in conversation with God. So perhaps prayer is not so much getting what we want or what we ask for, but rather about this relationship that we have with our Creator. We are invited into this relationship to share our hopes and our dreams, our wants and our laments, our anger and our joy. We share them knowing that whatever comes next, whatever the outcome, this creator, this God who created us in God's image can bear hearing all things, can rejoice with us and cry with us and walk with us into life because the ultimate answer to every prayer we have ever prayed is Christ Jesus. For in Christ, the fullness of God dwelt, and you have come to fullness in Christ. Christ has given you righteousness. Jesus took your sins, your sins of the past and the present and the future, with him into death and set you free in resurrection, brought you to new light. God in and through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit dwells in you, no matter what. Don't be afraid to get real with God. Go with unembarrassed boldness to God. Don't be afraid to communicate with the one who created you. Don't be afraid to remember who you are and whose you are. So I want to leave you today with one last story. Um, And uh, I spent 10 weeks last summer as a chaplain in a hospital in southwest Iowa. And (laughs) it was some of the most powerful 10 weeks of my life. Um, I loved what my supervisor told me day after day as we walked through those, those halls of the hospital. Don't be afraid to go into that hospital room, Marietta. Get in there and see what God is up to. He was worried that chaplains were thinking we were bringing God to the room, and he wanted us to know that God was already there at work. So as I grew more confident, um, as the summer went on, uh, toward the end of the summer, I met a patient we'll call Don. Don was a tough, old businessman. He was serious. And um, he lived hard and he played hard and his kidneys were suffering because of it. So he'd been hospitalized to try to get his kidneys back working again. And um, I, I never saw Don in a hospital bed. Every morning he got up, he showered, he put on street clothes and he sat in his chair. And his wife came in and brought the paper and they read the paper together and they watched the news and he was in constant communication with his employees at his business. His cell phone was never far away. 
And the first day that I went to Don's room, um, he was pretty sure he did not need me. He said he didn't want to talk about God or Jesus or church or anything to do with spirituality, and he definitely did not want to talk about his feelings. And I thought, fair enough, Don. You're not the first person to tell me that. I'll, I'll come back tomorrow and see how you're doing. So four days in a row, I'd pop my head into Don's room, and I'd be summarily dismissed. Not, not in an impolite way, but he just didn't really want to talk about that. So the fifth day, I popped my head in, and he kind of waved me in the door. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And we talked for a few minutes about some things that were in the paper, and we talked about his kidneys, how they really weren't getting any better, and that was a bummer. And then, kind of out of the blue, he said, you know, I grew up a Catholic. I was an altar boy but I haven't been to church in 30 years, and I don't really know why. I guess I just kind of fell out of the habit. Fair enough, Don. I sat there for a minute, sort of waiting to see what might unfold. Lots of being a chaplain is just not talking, which for me is hard. Like that. So probably why I love those 10 weeks. <laughs> um, and so I noticed he looked really tired. And it felt a little bit like sharing this piece of his childhood with me had been hard. So I thought, I'm going to let that be. But he's opened this religious door, right? He's opened this, I have this piece in me here, chaplain. And so I said, Don, can I, can I pray with you? Would that be okay? Oh, yeah, that'd be fine. So he stood up, because <laughs> that's what, the kind of guy he was, and he took my hand. And I started to pray. I started to pray, good and gracious God, thank you for the life of Don. <laughs> and he, his body heaved, and this, a sob came out of his lips, and he just started to cry. And so I kind of continued on, and I said, God, please bring healing to Don's kidneys, and please take care of his employees while he's gone, and guide the hands of the medical staff who are caring for him. And then as I usually did at the end of the prayer, I started the Lord's Prayer. And I said, our Father who art in heaven. And I could feel Don, his shoulders start to heave again. Hallowed be thy name. And I started to pray, thy kingdom come. And he came in with me. He was whispering through his sobs. But he was praying. I'm going to get a little emotional, I'm sorry. <laughs> And we said the prayer together, and I quickly remembered that the Roman Catholic prayer ends, you know, before us Protestants. So he said, amen, and I said, amen, before I got to the next part. And he sat back down, and he grabbed a tissue, and he wiped his eyes, and he didn't look at me, and he thanked me, and I thanked him, and I left the room. I just am so... Um, caught by this old tough guy in street clothes in a hospital reaching back into his childhood to this little altar boy and in the words of the Lord's Prayer calling on this God in unembarrassed boldness calling on this God who he felt had not abandoned him Thanks be to God for the life of Don. Thanks be to God for all of you who can also call on God in unembarrassed boldness. Amen.